All right, everybody, we are again excited that you're in the room. Everyone joining us online, we wish you were here, but we're glad you're there. Come on, one more time, let's put our hands together and say hello to those joining us in the online chat world. Yeah, I talked to somebody earlier that said, uh, we love online, but there's nothing like being in the room. And we really believe that too, right? Like the game's pretty cool uh, from the, the comfort of your home on the TV, but it just hits different when you're cheering with like, other people. There's something about community that we need each other for praise and worship. You just can't get it alone. So we're glad you're there, but we would ask you to consider coming, being in the room with us when you can. And we are definitely glad that you guys in the room uh, made plans to be here today. I'm really excited about today. That feels like an echo chamber because I'm really excited about every Sunday. Hello. Uh, I, I live uh, for us getting together and just seeing what God could do through a group of people who aren't perfect but love God and are trying to figure it out in our relationships and our marriages and our lives in general. And so we talk a lot about that from week to week. Today we're going to dive into a new series I'll tell you about in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to invite you back to a little family party, okay? We, we want church to feel like family. A lot of us have moved here from somewhere else. Maybe we have family here. We love you. That's awesome. But if you don't, you need to know you don't only have a church in Palm City, but you also could have a family. The way we say it is, come on, belong to the family. And tonight we're going to put together a little party. We're calling it Picnic in the Park, everybody. We want to see you out at 530 to 7.30, you can stay as long as you want. We're going to have hot dogs, chips. There's a dessert bake. I'm going to eat all the dessert. Come on, I'm going to eat my emotions on a Sunday. Hello, somebody. That's probably not healthy. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. We have a balloon artist for the kids. Come on, we're just going to have all the fun, some face painting. Uh, we may have a little bit of music and some, some company. So bring a camp chair, bring a blanket, whatever you want. You can bring your own picnic, but we will provide hot dogs, chips, drinks, all that kind of fun. And just have some time together before we get into the Mondays, everybody. So I want to invite you out to that. Secondly, I would say, come on, it's Mother's Day next weekend. Come on, I got you back, man. Don't forget, it's Mother's Day next weekend. It's a great day to go ahead and just pull out that phone right now. You're not going to offend me and just text your mom. My mom's right here, so imagine I'm texting you right now. I love you, mom. I would not be here on this stage if it wasn't for your faithfulness, your prayers. I went crazy, but you didn't ever lose hope in me, and so I honor you today in front of everybody, and I would encourage you to honor your mom if she's still on the planet. I don't know what the context of that relationship is. I know they can be tough sometimes. But come on, love on your mom. Send them a text and get them in the room next week. We got a great, great Mother's Day plan. Some special elements you don't want to miss. Invite some friends and come out. But today we're in a new series I'm extremely excited about called State of Mind. This kind of sounds presidential, right? It's like, it's, it sounds kind of diplomatic, like State of Mind. We even did the red, white, and blue in the graphic. But I, I do believe a lot of times we can give our hearts to Christ but still find ourselves struggling in our minds. Now, you see that I wear glasses, and you probably, hopefully, don't judge me because I do. My glasses should tell you a story, though, that I need a little help with my eyes. Okay, my eyes need a little help. And so we've got to take the stigma off of those who may need a little help with another part of their body, their minds. Now, God's Word tells us a lot about it, has a lot to say about it, and that is our source of hope. We're going to look into God's Word, but we've got to be open and honest and talk about things in this room, in the church, that are going on in people's lives Monday through Saturday. 
This cannot be a room to where we only talk about a few things and don't really ever address the things you're really struggling with on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Come on. I mean, we got to be a church and a people that said, I know what culture's saying. I know what you're really facing. You're welcome here. You're accepted here. You have a God who accepts you where you are but loves you too much to leave you there. And this is a place where you can figure it out because guess what? We're all figuring it out. Christianity is not a destination. It's a journey. And so wherever you are on that journey, we invite you to join us in continuing in it. But if we're going to get victory in our lives externally, it's got to start right here. How many know that most of life's battles are won or lost between the ears? Come on, don't be lying in church now. Y'all know it's true. That, that we can struggle in our minds mightily. And so today we've called this first talk the victorious mind. Is anybody ready to get victory in their mind. That's, that's what we've entitled part one of this new series. And I don't know about you, but I, I struggle from time to time. This is an area where I, I want to be vulnerable with you. I am not teaching and sharing from a place of take the pebble from my hands, everyone. I've figured it out. No, no, no. I'm on the journey too. And this is an area where we can get real caught up and it can be toxic and really hold us back from God's best. I don't know about you, but sometimes I battle between faith and fear. Anybody? Like, I have the faith, I want to live radically for Christ, I want to be countercultural. I want to shed the things that God says aren't good for me, and I want to pursue righteousness and holiness and the things that he has for me. But at the same time, I think, what, it, what will they say about me if I do? Will, will the church grow if we, if we go all out for Jesus and we just live a non-compromised life? I, I battle between faith and fear. Maybe you do as well. Maybe you're a teenager and you want to go all in for Christ, but nobody in your school is. So you just have stayed in the middle ground thinking, I can't do it because I don't want to be ostracized. I don't want to be left out of the cool crowd. Maybe you battle between uh, trust and control. Come on, where are my control freaks at? Hey, we, we here. We up in here. We up in here. Like, I trust you, but oh, you, you must be busy. You ain't answered this. Let me go ahead and take that back from you. How many prayers have we left at the cross only to go back a few days later and say, well, I'm going to get that back. <laughs> Thanks for considering, but uh, nothing's happening, so I'm going to take that back, right? We battle between trusting God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and being a control freak. Sometimes we battle between other things. We battle in our lives in ways that maybe you don't even want to say out loud. Maybe you don't even want to articulate in a room like this. But what I know is the struggle is real, but also is the breakthrough. That today together we can have breakthrough to say, I'm confident in my calling. I know who God has called me to be, but sometimes I'm insecure and I'm crippled and paralyzed by the insecurities in my life. I don't know if you've ever, ever thought this. Have you ever had a moment where you were like, uh, what, was, what was I thinking? All the husbands were like, oh. I love that, right? This morning on the way to church, I knew the road and the bridge was closed. I knew it. We posted about it. We told you like five times, and guess what I did? <laughs> Just rode up to the bridge. <laughs> I was like, what is wrong with me? What were you thinking? Some of us have kids. I can remember when our kids were younger. Um, we're getting them ready for bed, right? We're doing bath time, and, you know, I run in there. We get everything going, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go run in here. And you go like 30 seconds. You come back, and it's bubble mania. Like, what were you thinking? I wanted some bubbles, you know. <laughs> Maybe this is you. This is me for sure. Uh, 
If you, if you go on vacation, you're all excited about the trip. You just, right? But, but you, you get there and you look in your luggage and you're like, what? What, what was I thinking? I didn't pack anything I needed. This was me last week. We went on a little two-day conference trip for the church, and I got there, and I was like, I looked at my bag. I was like, who, who packed this? I wanted to blame my wife, but she was like, it was you. What were you thinking? We have these moments in our lives to where we don't know what we're thinking. Husbands, if you wake up next week with no plan, somebody for Mother's Day is going to say, what were you thinking? And so I'm your pastor and your friend. I'm here to help. I've got your back. But it's true. Studies would show you that we have 80,000 thoughts a day. Can you believe that? So wives, when you ask him what he's thinking about and he lies and says nothing, he's thinking about something. 80,000 thoughts a day. If you divide that by 16 hours, assuming you sleep eight hours a day, that's 5,000 thoughts every hour. That's 83 thoughts every minute. Think about that. Now, that's, that's interesting, but here's the real interesting fact as it pertains to this talk. 80% of those 80,000 are of a negative connotation. 64,000 of your thoughts today are, I'm not, it won't, it can't, I shouldn't have. They're negative in connotation, and I think we've got to get down and figure out how we can win the war that rages right between our ears. And that's why we've created this series State of mind. We're going to look at one of the Bible characters who battled this repeatedly, but he overcame it with the help of God, and that's our prayer today. Let's look at his life, how he did it, and I believe we can glean from that. It's the Apostle Paul, who famously in Romans 7, not in your notes, but I'd love for you to write it down, said this around verse 16. He said, I don't understand myself. (laughs) Is anybody here today and you're like, ah, I'm crazy. What's wrong with me? What am I thinking. He said this, the very thing I want to do, I don't. And the very thing I don't want to do, I do. What is wrong with me? Now, I don't know if that encourages you, but that encourages me because more times than not, I feel just like the Apostle Paul. What is wrong with me? Well, we're going to go to God's Word because we believe it has the answers to life's problems. It's not a history book alone. We believe it has the power and the life to change our situation, to call a new perspective, and to transform our minds together in Jesus' name. So look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3, and 4. We're going to put this one on the screen. I'm going to read it. Listen to the language of this text. It says, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. Let me time out there for all my Facebook commenters. You don't wage war as the world does. Selah, just say just it. I'm just going to leave that right there. Come back here. Okay, just a thought. You don't have to act like everyone else. Verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have, say it out loud, divine power to do what? demolish strongholds. What am I asking you to learn how to do today? I'm asking you to learn how to demolish strongholds. How are you going to do that? With divine power. That's where we're going to land today. There's some strongholds in our life that only will take divine power to demolish them. Now, in the New Testament, your Bible is written originally in the language of the Greek. So the Greek word for power there is the word dunamis. Dunamis means explosive, right? It means the miracles of Jesus. Everything 
every time you see Jesus do a miracle and it has the word power, it's the word dunamis. It means it was clear that something happened. There was no escaping that the power of God was present in that moment. It's where we get our English word dynamite. It's the dunamis power of God. So you don't need self-help. You don't need another book from Barnes & Noble. Shout out. I was there yesterday working on the notes. Love them. You need the supernatural power of God in your life working against these prisons of deceptions that we've all built. That's what we need in order to live this verse out. The, but we need that divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, I've got a picture of a stronghold because it's not a, a word that we walk around in our daily lives and use. Hey, how's your stronghold? <laughs> hey, I'm Brian. I planted a church. How's your stronghold? That's weird. Um, so, we, so we don't ordinarily use that word, but in the Greek it's the word okorama. You like how I rolled the Mars there? I've been working on that. I'm not going to do it again because I got one bullet. But, 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 but that's the word. And, and what it means, it's a military word that means it's a fortress built in the inner part of a city. So you would have these cities back in Paul's day when he was writing this and using this language to give people an image. You would have these fortified cities that were protected by walls. Inside those cities, in the very center, there were fortresses up to 30 feet high and the concrete 20 feet deep that would protect the city leaders and officials from anything happening. And, and that's what Paul's saying here. you got to demolish those strongholds. The city represents our mind. And that fortress, that stronghold represents those places where you've believed a lie from the enemy that's not God's best for your life. And it's impacting and affecting the way you think, do, see, and everything that you have in your life. And what Paul is saying is, you need some dunamis. You need the power of God to demolish the lies of the enemy in your life. That's what he's telling us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What does your spiritual enemy do? He does the same thing to me. He feeds us lie after lie, false after false, accusation after accusation. He feeds us these things, and we don't end up in a fortress overnight. We end up in a fortress over time as we have put belief into the lies that we're being fed. What are some of the lies the enemy is telling you? I wrote down a few. Is he telling you you can't trust anybody, so you've stayed isolated? Has he told you you will never succeed, and because you've believed that, you self-sabotage everywhere you have a little bit of success because you've believed the lie? Has he told you you'll never have a good marriage and you believed it so you stopped fighting for the one you have today? Has he told you that God doesn't hear your prayers so you say, why bother? Has he told you God doesn't care so you say, why should I? Has he told you you're too messed up, you're damaged good so you've just thrown in the towel and maybe you attend church but you never take it a step further? Has God, has the devil told you you'll never make a difference? Has he told you you'll never amount to anything? What is the lie the devil is telling you? Because here's the truth. We cannot win the spiritual battle with worldly weapons. We've, we're built different. We've got to fight different. We've got to attack spiritual problems with spiritual solutions. So we can't do it the world's way. If we've got a mental, spiritual problem, we need to look to God's word for the tools to put in our spiritual tool belt so we will know how to fight the battle that we're living in every day of our lives. Somebody say amen. 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 Check out verse 5 of that same scripture. It says this, we demolish arguments. Do you see the aggression? It's not like we, we, we bump into them. We pray over them. We bless them. 
We ask God to do something with them. No, no, no. We, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And what do we do? We do this. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, hey, it's time. It's time to get your mind right. Come on, tell them. Just tell them. Easy if you're, if you're married. Be real careful right there. But seriously, we've got to start taking captive what's taking us captive. We've we got to call upon the name of God. We've got to get some of this dunamis power in our life. Why? Because our lives are always moving in the direction of our most common thoughts. Do you like the direction your life is going? If you don't, the first thing is not to do something externally. It's to make some changes internally in your mind. Now, what's cool about this is the, is the Bible and science agree. How many know science just figures out what God already knew? I love that. We don't have to be separated of, no, that's science, and no, this is God. No, science is just catching up to what God already knew. And that's what the, it tells us here is cognitive behavior psychology will show that many of our problems are related to the wrong thought processes. Remember what I said earlier? The Bible says in Psalm 23, as a man thinks, so is he. We don't become what we want to become. We become what we think about the most. That what comes into our minds comes out in our life. This is, this is the truth. But our relational challenges aren't just about the relational challenges. They're, they're based on how we see our relationships, how we think about our relationships. That eating disorder, it's not even about food. It's about how you think about food. The, the things in our life, the toxic thinking, the anxiety, the addictions, the other disorders are not only about the disorder. You can't just treat the symptoms. you got to treat the root. So many times we're just chasing this symptom. If I can just manage the severity of my anxiety, maybe that's a win. No, no, no. Not when there's dunamis power available to you. Why manage what God can heal? Why manage what God can set you free from? And that's my case I'm making to us today, that you don't have to live in the prison that you've allowed the enemy to create in your life because your life is a reflection of the thoughts you think. I love this quote from Henry Ford. It says, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. So what do you believe? Do you believe you can do the impossible? Do you believe that you can start that business? Do you believe you can be a good parent even though you didn't have one? Do you believe that you can raise a healthy family even though you're a product of an unhealthy one? Do you believe you can be loved again even though you've been unlovable up to this point? What do you believe today? Because what you believe, whether you can or you can't, you, you're right. I want to prove it to you. By thinking about what you think about. <laughs> that's profound, right? Wow, that's genius. Usually we're so, we're so busy, we don't think about what we're thinking about. If you think you can't, you probably won't. But if you think you can, you likely will. If you, if you dwell on your problems, what happens? We're overwhelmed by our problems. But if we, in spite of our problems, look for solutions, ha! Huh, Problem's still there, but we probably by faith will find some answers to them. If we feel like a victim, we'll be one. But if we say that I'm an overcomer by what Jesus has done for me, and though my granddaddy was this way and my daddy was this way, in Jesus' name, I don't have to be a part of the cycle. I can turn the family line and become someone different because Christ loves me. As a man thinks, so is he. So if this is true, if our life is moving in the direction of our thoughts, if we truly do become what we think, then what do we do? I'm so glad you asked. I've prepared all week 
some solutions for us out of God's word to apply to our life today. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write this down. We gave you some notes in your seat. Inventory, my thoughts. Come on, write that down. Inventory, my thoughts. You need to see what's in the pantry of your mind. What's in your pantry? Come on, 80,000 things in there (laughs) every day. 64,000 statistically are negative. What's in your pantry? In other words, we got to think about what we think about. And I want to do that. I want to inventory your thoughts right now. Are you, are you more peaceful or are you more worried? What, what's your go-to here? i got some friends I want to introduce you to. Over here on my right is my friend. On your left, my right, is Worried Willie. Y'all know? That's my boy right there, Worried Willie. Here's what Worried Willie is worried about. He's worried about what people think of him. He's worried about his kids. He's worried about his future. He's worried about his past. He's worried about his money. He's worried about his job. He's worried about his health. He lives with the mindset, it's over. I blew it. I knew this would happen. You know what he believes? Murphy's Law. If it can, it will. Not if it can work out, but if it can go wrong, it will. That's my boy, Worried Willie. Or you can be like my other friend, Peaceful Pam. Look at Pam over there chilling on a beanbag. Just reading the Bible. Look, just chilling. A little coffee, a little cold brew. What's Peaceful Pam doing? Peaceful Pam says, I'm going to do my best and trust God with the rest. Peaceful Pam says, I'm going to work like it depends on me, but I'm going to pray like it depends on God. She doesn't believe Murphy's law. She believes God's law. That says, even if I get it wrong, God will work it right. That's Peaceful Pam. Who are you? Where are you on that spectrum? And somebody said earlier, I'm not either. I'm Middle Margaret. Where's Middle Margaret? Hey. Pick a side. Pick a side, Margaret. Now listen, here's what you need to know. Peaceful Pam isn't more spiritually gifted than you are. She has just figured out what to do with the worries and anxieties when they come her way. And we are to do what the Bible says to do. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares on him, all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Unfortunately, the problems come to you, but God doesn't want to let you leave them with you. He wants you to cast them on him because he has the shoulders that can carry the weight of the problems you're facing. Let's look at another one. Are you more negative or are you more positive? You don't have to answer out loud. Somebody's like embarrassed right now. Now you've heard of negative Nancy, but do you know her cousin, negative Nick? This is negative Nick over here. Y'all don't know about negative Nick. Here's here's negative. He's just critical of everybody. If he was an emoji, he'd be meh, meh. Talk about middle of the road, this, this dude can't be happy in anything. It's hard to please, critical, always finding fault, discontent about everything, never happy, too busy. He assumes the worst. Even when things are good, he's cynical. He's skeptical. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's raining today. Oh, oh, just washed my car today. Oh, oh, oh. Instead of, I love that Florida's so green. Hey, praise God, Florida's so green because it rains a lot. Who are you on that list? Are you, are you more like Negative Nick, who's a yeah butter? Oh, yeah, oh no's right. Y'all know what a yeah butter is? Just yes, yeah butts everything. Hey, you looked good today. Yeah, but this shirt's not. Hey, you should come to church today. It's going to be powerful. Yeah, but it's not, it's not as powerful as I remember my other church being. Hey, I, man, worship. Well, oh, it was on fire. Yeah, but it's not my favorite songs. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Are you like negative Nick or are you like my friend, positive Patty? 
Hey, Pastor Patty in the house. Pastor Patty just believes the best. Pastor Patty's like, life isn't perfect, but God is. Pastor Patty's like, my future is optimistic because God's in control of it. Positive Patty says, God's on my side. I woke up today. I've got breath in my lungs. I'm going to believe the best. And I'm going to be a yeah, butter. I'm going to be an even ifer. Do y'all know what an even ifer is? Even if. Even if. Oh, that happened even if. Here's three guys in the Bible. Here's what Patty's learned to do. It's what three guys in the Bible learned to do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They lived for God in an ungodly culture. And the leader of that time says, if you keep doing this, you're going in the furnace. And you know what they said back to him? I love this. This is so, this is, this is awesome. It says, we are thrown into a, a blazing furnace. The God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know we're not going to serve you. Come on, we need some people with a spine in their faith. We need some people that will say, God's going to deliver me. God's going to save my spouse. God's going to heal my mind. God's going to transform my life. God's going to reach my lost kid. But even if it doesn't happen in the way I want, in the time frame I want, it's not going to steal my joy. There is joy in the house of the Lord today because nobody is like my God. And his ways are higher. His ways are better. He's working all things for my good and his glory. So even if he doesn't do it in my time frame, I'm going to be like Positive Patty and worship him anyway. Is there anybody in the house like that? Look at another friend of mine. Uh, I got a couple uh, friends here. They, they battle between the worldly and eternal. This is, this is my friend over here, Worldly Wilma. We've been giving the guys all the bad rap. We put Wilma over there now. Worldly Wilma. You know what she is? She's consumed with this life. Her, her focus is more. She's like, I see it. I like it. I want it, I got it. I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it. Hey! That's her focus. She's worried about more money, more followers, more influence on TikTok. She's worried about what she wears, who she knows, who knows her. Her mantra in life is elevate me. I will use you to elevate me. Or we can be like my boy Eternal Eddie. Shout out Eternal Eddie. I love this dude. This is my guy right here. It's my favorite one. He understands that his life may not be perfect, but he has the power of God in his life. He understands that he's been gifted spiritually with dunamis power to reach people, to be generous with his resources because he's not an owner. He's a steward. God owns it all. And so he lives his life with heaven in mind, eternity in mind, not living his life for earth. Why? Because his mantra is don't elevate me, elevate others. My life is here to serve and, to, like Paul said, to pour out my life as a drink offering so somebody else can have joy. I'm going to serve and get up early and pray so somebody in Wesley Chapel can meet Jesus. I'm going to serve my city and serve my church so that others can find what I have found. Are we more uh, focused on the world, us, and material and possessions? Or are we more focused on where we'll spend the majority of our life? And that is like e- e- eternal Eddie in eternity. Who are we on these lists? How can Eddie do this? He's realized what Paul realized, and that is his citizenship is not earth. You're on earth, but you ain't staying here. Your citizenship is in heaven. Heaven is your residence. Heaven is your home. And when you live with eternity in mind, it changes how you live day to day. Because I can tell you this, you cannot have a positive, faith-filled mind when you have a negative, fear-filled heart. You, you, you can't. We can't live our lives in such a way to where God can use us in a great way if we've got stinking thinking going on. 
So number one, we got to take inventory. Number two, we got to identify our patterns. Write that down. i got to identify my pattern. So just because you know your thoughts, that's the symptom because you're already thinking them. you gotta, you got to follow the trail back to the pattern. What is the pattern of the lie I believed? Is it I'm not good enough? My past is too bad. I can't trust God or people. I'm always going to battle my weight. The church always hurts people, so I'm going to stay disengaged. I'm not good with money, and the church doesn't handle it well, so I'm not going to be generous and give. I can't get close to God because I'm too damaged and I'm, I'm sinful in every way. I'm never going to find the job I love. I'm never going to find fulfillment, so I'm just going to stay in this job that just drains the life out of me. All my relationships are going to break down because I choose to date psychos. <laughs> nice to meet you. I date psychos. Is that, is that, is that the pattern? Because here's the thing, our thoughts create patterns. If you think about your life, think, think about this. If you, if you have a dog, they're so habitual. They will walk the little same trail every day to the bat, to, right? And over time, what do you see? You see a little pattern of where they've been. The same is with our minds. There are roadways in your mind based on the patterns of what you thought about the most. And they have dictated the way you see yourself, the way you see life. And so what we've got to do is we've got to take inventory, but we've got to identify the patterns in our life. Here's what the Bible says about patterns. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the said out loud pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. If I don't identify my pattern, I'm never going to get out of it because I cannot defeat what I cannot define. you got to define it. Take inventory. Identify what your pattern is. You have one. I have one. And then what do we do? Number three, we got to introduce some new pathways. Did you know your brain is filled with neural pathways? Scientists will tell you this. Your brain is filled with neural pathways. There are transmitters and all kinds of names I can't describe going on right here in your mind. And it is creating this dynamic of how you act and respond to everything in your life. Here's here's the pattern. Here's the new pattern that we need to adapt. It's the Bible, Philippians 4, verse 8. What does it say? It says, fix your thoughts. I want you to remember that today. Fix your thoughts. What do I do with my thoughts? You fix them. What do you fix them on? I'm about to tell you. You fix them on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, and what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We've got to create some new patterns in our life. As a matter of fact, you're going to have 80,000 thoughts tomorrow. I want you to let this verse be the filter of if you give any entertainment to those thoughts. So you have a thought. Is it true? It's out. Uh, you have a thought? Is it noble? Uh, it's out. Is it of a good report? Not thinking about it, right? This is the filter you have to have to create some new pathways in your life so that you don't live in yesterday and you don't live stuck between your ears. You live in the freedom and the power that God has for you and you demolish those strongholds. We got to take some inventory. We, we, we got to identify our patterns. We got to introduce some new patterns. And number four, we got to invest in truth you got to make some investments today. This, this isn't just going to happen because you've willed it. Willpower is not enough. You need heaven's power. You need dunamis power, divine power and enablement from God. That's what the verse says in verse 5. We read 3 and 4. Now read verse 5. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Right? We read that. And what do we do? We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You cannot beat the bad thought until you know the good thought. You, you can't do it. And what are the good thoughts? God's thoughts. The Bible says his ways are higher and they're better than ours. 
But if we don't know the truth, the truth can't set us free. And the truth is Jesus. The truth is a person. God's word. He is the word, the Bible says. So we got to look to scripture in order to take captive those thoughts. Another very aggressive language, that word take captive, is the military word for a, a spear, a sword. And so when I, when I read that, I thought of the, the chapter in Ephesians 6 where it talks about the armor of God. Anybody ever read that chapter? Oh, come on, guys. You would love it. You think your Bible's boring? Just go hang out in Ephesians 6. You'll get all fired up. You'll be like, I'm about to plunder hell with a water pistol. <laughs> you know, let's go. Let's go. But I love this because all the weapons of that armor are defensive in nature. There's six of them. And all of them are defensive in nature except one. You know what it is? The sword of the Spirit. You know what that is? The Word of God. That we need the Word of God to cut away and transform us from the old patterns into the new truths and patterns that God has. So we don't say, I can't get it all done. No, we say, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We don't say, I can't beat this habitual sin, it's just too hard. No, we say, your grace is sufficient for me, for when I'm weak, you're made strong, so I'm not going to hide my weakness. I'm going to boast about it because that attracts the power of God, and it is the power of God that sets me free. I'm not going to say I'm not attractive. I don't like how I look. No, no, no. You're going to say Psalms 139, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am made in the image of God Almighty. He loves the way I look, and he has a plan for me and, and can use my life. When you feel all alone, we're going to remind ourselves we're not alone. God's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. When we feel like a victim... No, I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. I am not what the world says I am. I am who God says I am. But if you don't know what God says about you, you can't beat the thoughts you're currently thinking. Ooh, it's quiet up in here. I'm your friend. I'm preaching to a mirror. I'm tired of living in the bondage between my ears. Are you? We got to break free. And the best way we can break free is number five, we got to involve God. We got to involve God. So we got to do some things differently. I read to you Romans 12, too, right? Remember that? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You remember that? I read that. Let me go to the verse before that. Romans 12, 1 says this Therefore, I urge you. My energy today, I'm not coming at you. I'm coming at you with urgency. I'm coming at you with passion to urge you, as Paul said, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, which means because there is a way, because Jesus has made a way, that you don't have to stay where you are, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. You will never have a transformed mind until you give your life to Christ. Many of us have given Jesus our heart. And many of us have not. And that would be a next step today. But God wants all of you. God doesn't want just your heart. God doesn't want just your time. God doesn't want only your talent. He wants your life. In the same way he gave us his we are to return and give him ours. This is how we get free. But many of us, including me, we want to give God like 90%. And we want to keep our little prison cell because somehow we've grown addicted to the things that are normal in our life. Somehow we've accepted the familiarity 
of the darkness and the sins and the struggle. That this is just who I am. This is just my lot, man. Everybody's got to struggle. This is mine. I just got to fight it. And I would say, no, you don't. That you can fight it, but you can fight it with some dunamis power. And you can demolish that stronghold in the name of Jesus. And I want us to do it today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're comfortable, I want you to place your right hand on your forehead. I want to pray for your minds. I ask God to do something that worship can't do and that preaching can't do. I ask him to to heal your mind and transform your mind in this moment. And I want to pray for you. The Bible says that you have the mind of Christ. That because of Jesus, he's given you access to the mind of Christ. And I want to pray for you. Whatever struggle, whatever plagues your mind, we're going to break its power. We're going to hit it with some dunamis power, and we're going to break the stronghold today in Jesus' name. So let's lock arms in faith and believe this. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for every mind in this room. Lord, I don't know the toxicity that exists between their ears, but you do. I don't know the prison that they've built through the lies the enemy has told them, but you do. I I don't know what struggle they're in, what fear they have of the past, what fear they have of the future. But we know that, God, we don't have to stay where we are because of the blood of Jesus and the love of the Father, that we can be healed and whole. So today, God, according to your word, we are going to be a people that think about things that are true and pure and praiseworthy and of a good report. We're going to set our minds on things above, like our boy, Eternal Eddie, man. That's how we're going to live our life. We're not going to be consumed with life in this life, but we're going to be consumed making the best of this life by living for the next one. We don't only live once, we live twice. God, we want to live with eternity in mind. So we pray over every mind, every anxious thought, be cast down in Jesus' name. Every depressed mind, be restored in Jesus' name. Every fragmented mind, confused mind, we call it back to order in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, you've done amazing things here today. And we give you praise for it. If you would, keep your heads bowed for just a moment. Some of you may have not given your life to Christ. As I said, you can't have a changed life until you first give Jesus your heart. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. You're one heartfelt prayer away from making Jesus your Lord and Savior. He already is. He is Lord. He is Savior. But is He yours? I love what we used to say in the church. Do you want to make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior today? You need to know He's a personal, up-close God. If that's you today, I want you to pray a prayer like this. I'm not going to call you out, but I'm going to ask you to lean into this moment and pray this prayer. Jesus, today I give you my life. Maybe I've done that as a child, but today, God, I'm coming back full force. I'm not playing church anymore. I'm not living on the sidelines when you've called me to be in the game. Today, I ask you for your forgiveness. I ask you for your strength. And I ask you for your power. Come and heal my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. And the church said a big amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for God? Come on, give God some glory.